Welcome back to the Neurodiverging Podcast. I'm so happy you're here today. My name is Danielle Sullivan, and I'm your host. Today, we have a beautiful interview with ADHDer and CEO Annie Martineau. Annie is the CEO of NeuroSolutions Group. She's ADHD herself, late identified, and she has neurodivergent kiddos. So we are talking a lot today about what it was like for her to grow up as an undiagnosed ADHD girl um, in Canada, and then what it was like to become a parent and a single parent to neurodivergent kids and two different kids with two different kinds of brains. We had a lot to talk about there. And then we get into what it was like to start her business, where she finds her strength as an ADHD brain in running a business and what her ADHD has sort of offered her in terms of the creativity and the framing and the fun of running a business. Before we talk to Annie, I just want to give, as always, a big thank you to my patrons. They support this podcast by giving a monthly donation. They allow us to run the transcriptions, keep the website up, and keep me running the podcast. So thank you so much to all of you. If you are interested in becoming a patron, we would love to have you. You can learn more at patreon.com slash neurodiverging, or just go to neurodiverging.com and click around for a little bit. And one quick announcement right before we pop into Annie's interview is that if you are interested in joining us for webinars, classes, coaching programs. We now have a calendar for the first quarter of the year up and available at neurodiverging.com slash upcoming events. Upcoming events is all one word. And you can learn about all the educational opportunities we'll have on offer and all the group coaching classes we'll have on offer as well. Uh, we would love to see you in some of them. Again, that's neurodiverging.com slash upcoming events. Now, without further ado, let's talk to Annie. Welcome to Neurodiverging, Annie. Thank you so much for being here. I'm excited to talk with you today. I'm excited too. Thank you for having me. It's a great pleasure. <laughs> Thank you so much for being with us. So I know we're going to talk to you today. You're a parent with ADHD and you're raising a child who's neurodivergent. Would you like to start off by telling us a little bit about your ADHD journey? You were late identified, right? Yeah. Um, actually, I it pretty much started at in elementary school, but yeah. back then I was born in the seventies, so mm -hmm. the Ritalin uh, was not that much of a. I don't know. It was it, this is not the way it happened. You did this is not the way we were getting diagnosed. Mm -hmm. The way we the first thing my parents got the first uh, uh, triggers that my parents had is that I was always in the principal's office. So that's mm -hmm. how it all started because I was so uh, hyperactive. I mm -hmm. do have the H, I've got a super H in the ADHD <laughs> field. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's how it all started. I had good grades. I mm -hmm. was doing really good at school, but it was, I'd say a little boring uh, mm -hmm. and I didn't have enough on my hands to get, keep me occupied. Mm -hmm. So I was constantly um talking and so yeah so basically in elementary school I was always trying to focus on my grades because mm -hmm. they're really good and I whenever I'd had a forecast of my grades I'd say I'd go to my parents and say hey I've got A's everywhere and then my father would be like yeah but you've got an E in behavior <laughs> and I was like yeah mm -hmm. but I've got A <laughs> in this yeah. French or mathematics mm -hmm. let's focus on that but didn't work that way apparently so yeah so that's how how it started and uh, my father was in the military mm -hmm. we were in Europe back then so we didn't have we didn't have good access to doctors and it was really difficult really hard so so it, yeah you can say I was a, a late uh, I had a late assessment mm -hmm. in um, during singular high school obviously um and but uh, still I I didn't know um from the very uh, very young age that I I needed to my brain was not working as everybody else's was mm -hmm. I've always envisioned my brain as a, a computer mm -hmm. with lots of uh screens that are open and I can manage them as like and for somebody else, or it's going to be a file back in the 80s was files. Mm -hmm. I had lots of files that were constant, constantly open and I didn't mind, but people weren't, I realized from a very young age that people weren't working that way. Yeah. yeah. So that was my journey. 
It sounds like you experienced a good amount of judgment around your kind of behaviors when you were younger, right? With your your dad and then being in the office a lot. What were some of the things that folks were noticing or what, what were you being picked out for? Was it just um, like running around but, fidgeting or was it other stuff? <laughs> fidgeting a lot, talking, mm-hmm. um, I, I, interacting with other kids when it wasn't the proper time. What I mean, fidgeting, of course, was a huge one, always moving. I always mm-hmm. had to move and I'm still, COVID was a huge, huge thing for me because of the fact that we weren't even going from home to an office, which mm-hmm. was the minimum moving around that that I needed. But anyways, that's another topic. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, that's that was that's because uh, as I've mentioned, I did have good grades. So grades were not the issue. My mm-hmm. understanding wasn't the issue. It was mainly my behavior. I think at some points it got to not annoy the other kids, but it certainly wasn't helpful for them to have me sitting right next to them so mm-hmm. yeah so that were the main things yeah so. okay it's it's hard to hear about um kiddos when they're younger feeling like judged or feeling like they're being uh pulled out because they don't feel the same as as everybody else or they don't act the same or behave the same even yeah. when they're good kids who are doing well in other ways and are just not getting the support. That's yeah. that's one thing though that I didn't get like bullied or mm-hmm. uh, for the uh, uh, like from the other kids. <clears throat> I was I had a great I think it was great. I had a sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Um, I did focus on that as a huge strength uh, on my end, but it was mainly the adults that were couldn't keep up with me. Like mm-hmm. the, the they didn't want me to be moving all the time. But mm-hmm. other kids they didn't really mind. And there was this teacher, I think I was in grade second. Yeah, Clovis, Clovis, his name was Clovis. He had a huge impact in my development as a, a, a child because he, he focused on my strength. He decided to use me as a leader instead of a positive leader instead of a negative one. So he gave me full of responsibilities in the class and helping the other kids and that had difficulties or he helped me manage that superpower, that neurodiverse mm. superpower. So that was really helpful. As I've mentioned back in the days, Ritalin or medication was not that common. So mm. we did have at a very young age, um, we did have to develop other strategies. So, yeah. and you did have to manage your superpower. I've al- I always talk about my ADHD as a superpower. But yeah. as any superpower, you have to learn to manage it. Yes, use it responsibly. Absolutely. <laughs> how, absolutely. Now that you're, a, you know, an adult and with a family of your own, how do you think you, being ADHD, what are some of the superpowers that you use day to day with your with your kiddos and your business and your family? Multi Multitasking is <laughs> yeah, certainly one. one of them. Um, that's a huge one. Um, but I'd say the most, helpful one is helping my kids get through their own journey um Mm. I was having this conversation with my son the other day and I was telling him how his challenges are not the one he thinks he's gonna have as an adult Mm. um we're trying about somewhere and that was a really fun conversation but we were talking about him being in an apartment living on his own etc and he was trying to well, not trying, but he was telling me, you know, I'm going to be able to do it. And I was so impressed by his statement, you know, mm-hmm. I, this is going to happen, mom. I'm going and I was like, wow, of course, it's going to happen mm-hmm. if you want, if you want it to. But his explanations are he was trying to convince me that he was going to be able to clean the fridge mm-hmm. or know when to do the dishes or things like that, which mm-hmm. are really concrete. And I was telling him, your challenge as an adult is not being able to learn or to, because this is going to be the easy part. You're going to, you're going to be able to learn how to do stuff, mm-hmm. which you already know, or even if you own something or anyways, but 
the the hard part is going to know how to motivate yourself to do so even when you don't want to do it Mm -hmm. so that's the biggest challenge I've had as an adult is that procrastinated procrastination Mm -hmm. is like something that's always in the corner of my mind but once you you get to motivate yourself it's such some it's it's such an accomplishment to be Mm -hmm. able to do so but that's the hardest part so to get back to your question because I I got you know like went that way oh no you did that way beautifully (laughs) (laughs) so you questioned my 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 challenge not my challenges but the um the uh, strength I have or I use as an adult um multitasking is one being an entrepreneur uh being able to not only multitask but like have different folders in my head that are open being able to talk to customers while managing hrs or doing partnerships or not wanting or being able to function in in not in, in being outside of my comfort zone mm-hmm. is where i do shine when i'm not in that that zone i do not like comfort zone but mm-hmm. and a lot of people do but um so that's one of the strengths i've developed and my humor my humor has been there forever um i think it's a huge part of who i am uh of it's a huge part of how i interact with people um that's a huge that has a huge part of me dealing with emotions and so yeah that's how that these are a few strengths that i've managed and i've developed through my journey um as an ADHD woman, but it's certainly that's in the active part too. Uh, being, I mean, I, 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 it's something that I have learned. Um, being able to sit down and not do anything, mm-hmm. but it can last like for ten minutes max, because yeah. otherwise my brain is gonna start functioning like crazy. But um, yeah. So these are the few strengths that I've worked on. And that I've that that have helped me uh, in my adulthood, for sure. Yeah. How do you manage hyperactivity as an adult? Do you just keep yourself busy and go from one folder to the next folder, or? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly, I I don't know how I manage it, but I do. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's. Um, not time consuming, but it takes a lot of energy to do so at the end of certain, like, I mean, for example, in a day, I, I can go through like super great um, news and that they will overwhelm me, but I have to manage, manage this feeling because otherwise everyone's going to think I'm crazy. And mm-hmm. I do manage it as I'm talking to you right now. There's so many stuff that I'd like to say that wants to come out of my head. Mm-hmm but I do manage what's coming out of my mouth and the words that I, mm-hmm. I choose, but it is something that I've learned to do. And I, I, to be quite honest, I don't know how I do it, but I certainly do that. I'm good at it mm-hmm. because otherwise people would be like, not be able to follow me. Yeah. It's, it's hard when there's multiple tracks sort of going in your brain and they could all, they could all spill out. <laughs> at once you yeah. know um trying yeah. to limit it and, to one track and it's it's something that i notice in adhd people uh more than asd but uh autistic uh, people with autism but mm-hmm. for adhd it's it is impulsivity and like talking a lot mm-hmm. is something that's more common and i do see it in friends of mine or people I know that they, they do not, they are not conscious of the, not the feedback, but the impact that it has mm-hmm. on their relationship, because you have to be able to, you have to be able to realize that it, this is exhausting. Mm-hmm. Like if you're talking all the time and if you're talking really quick and you've got up and downs while you're 
while you're talking, it is exhausting for the person that's listening to you. So hopefully when I listen to that podcast, I won't feel that way about myself. (laughs) I don't think you will. Because I can say (laughs) as an autistic person, um, I'm often trying to listen to a lot of words coming into my brain and figure out, okay, what, what are these that I have to act on? Which of these are just information? Which of these are just like interesting things the person wants to say, but I don't really need to like keep it in my memory. Remember. Um, and it's a, it's a lot of processing for me. Um, and so I, I sort of, it's, it's interesting that we're on different sides and I know that I have that impulsive chatty streak sometimes where I'm just like, but it is really important to, like you're saying, think about the other person's um, piece of the conversation too. Like what yeah. is the goal of the conversation? Yeah. That's really interesting. Thanks. Absolutely. And it's, I think it's, it's, it's a hard path to, to, to be able to go together, but mm-hmm. it's certainly worth it because we are always asking, but not always, but more and more uh, often asking neuroatypical person to um, kind of accommodate or I don't know, but it's, it's a relationships imply two persons, right? Yes. So mm-hmm. both of them have to be able to, to know what the other person's like, or get, you know, so it's a learning experience that everybody has got to do. And that's one thing that I, I hope I've taught my children, but pay attention to the person you're talking to and be able to not only hear, mm-hmm. but see feel yeah and and that's I think that's the best way of communicating because speaking then comes in a lot of different ways yeah yeah I think your point is really strong about it it does take two people to form a relationship at least two people to form a relationship and you need to be able to work together to really collaborate to um support each other on a kind of basic level so it's really important Absolutely. And yeah, so, and, but still for some people it's harder mm-hmm. um, and it's, but it, I certainly think it's a skill that can be developed over time. And, but yeah, you've got at a certain point of your life, you just, you choose certain battles and you realize which ones you want to, and you've mm-hmm. choose the one that motivates you and that, so they become challenges and they become victories or challenges. Yeah. 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 No, that's a great way to put it. I th- it there's so many skills that you could learn over the course of your life, but nobody's going to ever be able to learn all of them. So you might as well focus on the ones that are going to be the most helpful for you. And yeah. yeah or the, my, the most motivates you mm-hmm. if, because if it doesn't motivate you, you, you're not going to put the it. effort in it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's <laughs> not going to work. That's not the right battle. <laughs> So you, how do you apply this to like your, your kiddos are of different neurotypes, right? You have like multi neurotypes in your family. Um, How do you use sort of that strength-based philosophy to, to help them overcome their challenges? Well, first thing it's, it's, it's never been an issue uh, being neurodiverse. Mm -hmm. It's always been, uh, you're different. So what? Me too. Yeah. So what are, it's like, what are your strengths and let's focus on them. And mm-hmm. you'll, that's the one thing I've always um, said that we all have weaknesses. So it's your job as you grow old to make people see your, your strengths, not mm-hmm. your weaknesses, because otherwise everybody's going to point out what you don't do or what you can do. But, but bottom line, we all have things that we can do and won't do. Mm-hmm. so it's just harder um it's harder and they need help and they need support they need people and I was talking to a teacher the other day it's like teachers don't realize the impact they have on on children with neurodevelopmental disorders mm-hmm. it can change the whole situation between having a good self-esteem bad self-esteem uh, being a leader, positive leader, mm-hmm. or a negative leader, but um, yeah. So neurodiversity for me, I've mentioned it before, is a superpower. So how are you going to use it? Yeah, 
I can teach you, I can show you how I managed it, but it, you have to find your own path. My children have to find their own solutions mm -hmm. in order and their own strategies in order to make their strengths shine. Because organization, for, for uh, if I may have an example here, mm -hmm. um, what as a parent, what do you want to, why do you want your kids to do their beds in the morning? Mm -hmm. Is it because it makes them a better child if they do? Does it? I don't or, have my children make their beds because I don't think well, it's a worthwhile use of our time. <laughs> but that's my own. <laughs> but if it's important, if mm -hmm. it's important for you as a parent, then yes. then you show them mm -hmm. or, or or show them that it's not it's not you're doing it you're doing your bed because it's nice to make some so make people happy yeah I'll do do something for me that makes me happy I'll mm -hmm. do something for you that makes that mm -hmm. will make you happy it's like it's like sharing but bottom line yeah I did meet a, a mother once that um, told me about how she was having a difficult routine mm -hmm. in the morning with her daughter and she she said yeah how do you make your son do his better in the morning and I said exactly the same thing yeah. as you I I, I don't know <laughs> I do not I mm -hmm. that's not a battle that I choose but I I said if you want to choose that battle well then just show him another way because that way you've been trying to 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 to, to teach her is not working obviously mm -hmm. so yeah but um you have to be really yeah. flexible and really at least in our house I always try to be like like um well like you said strengths-based but also values-based so like why are we doing the bed is it really like core to who we are as a family or is it just a random thing that I think I'm supposed to do because I don't like to teach my kids to just do what they think they're supposed to do I like them to have a reason to do it um which maybe overcomplicates our lives but also really helps us narrow down like exactly where our motivation is and yeah <laughs> you know yeah. so yeah yeah. It it brings it it does bring other challenges mm -hmm. to be it, to to go that down that road, um and sometimes I do choose not to understand why because it, it's just it's just I don't I I'm not the type of person that needs to understand everything mm -hmm. in order to be completely satisfied, mm -hmm. um but um yeah I mean for 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 my husband some certain things are really important for for him and they're mm -hmm. not important for me at all yeah but I know how much they are important mm -hmm. for him so I make the effort in order for him to wreck I mean for him to be able to say thank you mm -hmm. I appreciate it and I appreciate doing that for him mm -hmm. so so yeah so these are values being a nice person mm -hmm. being sharing um so not doing things because you're asked to do and I don't think neurodivergent people are made to be that obedient or you know to follow these type of rules because yeah. obviously down the line we all gonna say I'm not doing it we have to make <laughs> our own rules yeah we have yeah. to know why to well at least I can speak for myself that as an autistic person I like to know why I'm doing the thing like if you're asking me to do the thing I'll do it if it pleases you but I also want to know like what's what's the goal? Like, why do we do the thing, you know? And if you can't answer me, then I might choose not to do it, <laughs> you know? So, yeah. but the, I mean, with that, that's a nice uh, conversation. Um, <laughs> if I'd say, I mean, like the example of, uh, I don't know, they're making the bed in the morning. If I'm telling you, this is really important for me, would mm -hmm. that be enough of a, of a um, explanation yeah. for you or no? Yeah. Yeah. So you I have think... an explanation. Yeah. Yeah. It just needs to be because I'm I would be in this in this theoretical space motivated yeah. by trying to be your friend, right? Or trying to be in in community with you. And so my motivation and th that's all the answer I need because my motivation is my value of, of you as my friend, right? Um if it's some random person on the street who says make your better else, then no, I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> There's yeah. no internal motivation Why? to like make yeah. that person happy, right? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. But. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. It's really interesting. Yeah. yeah. So no, I like thinking it, about he, that if, stuff. Oh. Yeah, and if kid, so basically, to people that are listening, if your child does make your his bed or her bed in the morning, mm -hmm. that doesn't mean it's she's or he's not a good kid. 
Yeah. Not no. at all. No, not even not a all. little bit. I nope. <laughs> not at all. There could there could be so many reasons not to make your bed. Like I can come up with 10 off the top of my head um, as an autistic person to not make my bed in the morning. So <laughs> Do you think that you have adjusted your parenting strategies like for your different children because of their neurotypes being different? Or do you think it's more because of like their personalities or their their general approaches to life? I don't I don't think so. And I can tell you one particular conversation I had with my daughter mm -hmm. um, last summer. Um, that was really that like kind of real made me realize how good of a job I think I've made about yeah. my children not noticing what differences are there anyway so and yeah she uh she did volunteering mm -hmm. with uh autistic adults and uh she she basically realized that some of the of their social skills or um the way they were speaking mm -hmm. or the way they were looking at her or not looking at her was a lot like her brothers mm -hmm. uh, and she 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 just came to me and said I've always thought that this was just William mm -hmm. her brother you know like yeah and, and then I realized these these are like oh the, these are kind of difficulties or like differences that that autistic people have and mm -hmm. I was like oh yeah that but still it was William you know yeah. it's William so we all have our or particularities. I don't think I've adapted my uh, my parenting style. Mm -hmm. I did have an impact though on my husband's style mm -hmm. that I can tell. He was more of a quiet person, didn't like any noises. I had kids. I decided to have kids because I'm a kid myself mm -hmm. and I wanted to have an excuse to continue being a kid for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. so, so I feel that, that being very said, much. <laughs> uh, why why would you, we have to grow i mean it doesn't make any sense anyway why, yeah 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 <laughs> why would i want to stop playing anyways so yeah i did bring that into my husband's life i, I did divorce when my kids were uh, little so mm -hmm. my husband now is um is not the father of my children but he's been involved with them since my daughter was one so mm -hmm. it's basically the same thing yeah um but it was so and the opposite. I mean, and he was so really strict and did like noises, and mm -hmm. and I was like, that's life. Mm -hmm. And I at at the and it was a work in progress. That's I think the, the 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 adaptation that I did or we have done as a family is that at the beginning we were all respecting his quiet zone, mm -hmm. or but then at certain point we made compromise to like let go of some things that he didn't like so that we could you know feel more and it's still I mean it's still a work in progress yeah. we still as a family learn how how to compromise mm -hmm. and and yeah so that's one thing that we did as a team because I always always say we're a team I'd say noise was a huge part of our journey as parents yeah. and as a family mm -hmm. uh, as, as much as William that has a ASD didn't like noise or sound noise, like loud noises. You, I feel that. <laughs> yeah. It can be really loud. Mm -hmm. It can be like really, really loud. But um, yeah, so, and from my hyperactivity and yeah, I mean, our style, I think evolved with our different skills or different, mm -hmm. I don't know, I'd say that, but different needs. Yeah. And so they, they, they've evolved and so... Whenever we are in the car, and well, they're teenagers now, but uh, they're they're more quiet, more often on their phones. Mm -hmm. But uh, we don't mind the noise as much, and we 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 play outside, and we have found a really good balance on trying to everybody to fit in the team. Yeah, that's what the team does. That cooperation piece, I can say that yeah. as. Uh, as an autistic and, and an adult, I am still plenty loud when I'm stimming or when I'm excited, but I also don't like surprise noises at all. Like I'm the kind of person where people constantly laugh at me because I startle because they've come up behind me and I haven't heard them. Um, my son who's autistic is also like very loud and, and also does not like surprise noises. And so the noise piece is something that we've really 
all had to collaborate on and make specific rules around and make like help each other sort of assess and and set boundaries around what's the best way to handle that because we should be allowed to stim we should not be allowed to like yell in people's ears right what's the, what's the balance so balance yeah. that's a yeah and that's one thing I didn't think about but yeah rules mm -hmm. uh, really help us like manage like our different needs because we were five people in the family and each one of I mean it's not because you have a diagnose that you're more important than the other ones everybody oh, no. anybody's got needs so what are the things that you really don't like mm -hmm. and for and yes do because otherwise you cannot think that someone understands your need if you haven't mentioned them you cannot exactly. think you, <laughs> you, you cannot think oh no you you should know that by now. No, you never told me so. Mm -hmm. So I, there's no, I should have known that by now. I mean, like, and that, that helps that type of like type of rules are, mm -hmm. are, I wouldn't, I won't say contract, but understanding saying, okay, that's how we do things. And this, and explaining saying we do so because this person here doesn't like that. Yeah, and we like that, and we love that mm -hmm. person. So we don't want her to be in that kind of situation. Yeah, um, that's a good uh, that's a good point that you've mentioned. That's certainly something that that has helped. Yeah. yeah, and and really having that conversation around what's a need versus a preference versus a would like but not a big deal. Yeah. You know, like all yeah. those little variations. At least in our house, make a big difference because yeah. some things are painful Absolutely. to me, and some things I just don't like. <laughs> and so I'm willing yeah. to be collaborative on the just don't like but if I'm in pain I'm gonna need to set a, a hard line around that right so and it's the same for every other member of my family I'm not special in that so yeah that makes sense yeah. absolutely but I mean you're the best person to know yourself exactly so you're the best person to tell them what what are your zones like mm -hmm. uh, I'm I'm you know like I'm really angry or I'm feeling bad or I'm feeling sad or I mean, we're the best ones to tell other people around how we feel. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and it's yeah. a good thing to teach our kids to do that. Absolutely. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, we're at more of a stage that we hope we've done a great job. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it certainly sounds like you have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah they, they, they're great kids. They're always yeah. the kids to me. But uh, oh, I yeah. know. I know. It's I really mean... impressive. It's really impressive having a nerd. I mean, we're in 2022. There are some consciousness about mm. uh, being neurodivergent and people are more open about neurodivergence. But um, as I've mentioned, when I was young, it was just hyperactivity. She's a kid. She needs to move a lot. And so I'm really, and now we're more, aware of challenges and difficulties and it's 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 really something to see your child uh, whatever child <laughs> but your child going from a, an elementary student with a lot of issues a lot of difficulties emotion situation or mm -hmm. interactions having difficulties with interaction and seeing your child that's become such a amazing person yeah yeah that was my emotional moment that's really sweet yeah do you think yeah. that um or do you have a sense of what was different for you in that transition to independence like way back when not way back sorry that was rude <laughs> the transition <laughs> to independence when I was thinking more like a, you know it was a couple decades ago and the knowledge of um neurodiversity and especially ADHD in women was like not really there yet versus yep. now your kiddo um kind of moving towards independence as an adult with autism are there more supports um, in place less like what what do you notice most oh the situations are so different I lost my yeah. mother when I was 12 mm -hmm. so and so I had and I had a big brother um but and, and my father, but they were, I mean, I basically stepped up as a mother role at yeah. 12 year old. So I, 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 by 16, I decided I'd had enough mm -hmm. and I wanted a life on my own. So yeah. I moved out at 16. Yeah. So 
the, 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 the uh, it's a completely different situation. I think I'm the one that has to manage the transition because yeah. I was, I, I, I don't know if you feel the same with your children or, but I felt, I feel like I've had so much to give so much to share so much that I, I, I didn't want him or her to go through or, I mean, good or bad. Yeah. And it's, it's just that, I don't know. It's, I don't, I don't want to feel that. I don't want to sound dramatic, but I'm just like, what am I going to do when he grows old or mm -hmm. she grows old and they don't need me anymore? Mm -hmm. Yeah. They'll I mean, always they need you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know I'm, I'm being dramatic, but I mean, no, no, no. It's just it's just that that line, a fine mm -hmm. line. It happens. It happens so quickly. Mm -hmm. I mean, and I, I, I just don't know what the trigger was. But at some point, two of my children had intervention uh, guidance at school mm -hmm. and plans, and they needed, yeah. um, like really strong, um, help from educators, special educators, and. Mm -hmm. And something happened down the road, like slowly but surely, that made them not have like the. I don't consider like I don't consider them having a handicap or mm -hmm. a, a difference. It, mm -hmm. It's just so amazing the way that they've become champions of their person. Yeah, I'll say that way. So, um, yeah. So, sorry, I forgot the question. That's okay. Totally forgot the question. It sounds like they're a lot <laughs> like you, <laughs> with that championship kind of mentality. That yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it how I want to do it and get to where I need to be. That's yeah. fantastic. I mean, yeah, they can. Oh, yeah, I remember the question. I was, uh, <laughs> how do you manage like that transition? Yeah. And I, yeah, I mainly yeah. think the issue is on my hand not mm -hmm. on their hands they're like they're ready <laughs> oh yeah they're yeah. ready they're ready mm -hmm. when they were younger do you remember did you think that they would get here or did you have concerns that they would be able to live oh my god <laughs> i'll uh, um my daughter for sure mm -hmm. i mean she's 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 strong-willed and perseverant and she's really resilient um as for my son like the the system didn't help yeah because when he he had his diagnosed after trying to commit suicide mm -hmm. the autistic uh, the asd diagnosis and if i would have listened to the doctors and the psychi psychiatrists and the psychologists that were helping them helping him or helping us i don't i i don't think it would have been a good idea to to just listen to them because mm -hmm. He wasn't supposed to be able to self-regulate. He wasn't able to. He wasn't able to be able to function without medication. Mm -hmm. He was supposed to become an anxious person. Mm -hmm. uh, he was supposed to not be able to drive, function at school, go to college. Yeah. So these are all, and that's something. Something I. I. I I, rem I remind my daughter of because we do talk about the expectations I had yeah. uh, when like or not the expectations but I, how I had envisioned their futures yeah and and that's I think is the huge not not the but a huge problem mm -hmm. is that don't listen let them show you what they're capable of because bottom line we're the only person that will determine what we want to do and what we want to achieve and who is a doctor to tell you that your son or your daughter is not going to be able to do that kind of stuff or is going to have that difficulty for the rest of his life mm -hmm. or i think i think that's the that's that was a huge not problem because I didn't listen, but I think that can have Essential. a huge impact. Yeah. yeah, it can have a huge impact because as a parent, if you if you believe something, mm -hmm. if you believe that 
your child is not going to be able to achieve that step, he's never going to be able to do so because you don't believe in him. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's that I, I think has huge can have a huge impact on the race, on the, the development of a child. That's mm. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't listen. <laughs> I really appreciate you being so transparent about that because I, I mean, I, I work as a parent coach, so I talk to parents and a lot of them have very young children who have just been diagnosed and um, parents can be very, I mean, it's, it's understandable. Parents are really concerned about their children's potential well-being as an adult, like they'll become an adult. And what if they can't do things? It's hard to have to say, you know, you need to trust your child. <laughs> you need to give your child the credit that they are capable and they can do things and you, they might need support and they might need, all, you know, all these interventions or whatever, but mostly they need a parent behind them that, knows that you know, that can give them that, um, not push them, but give them that, that leverage or that, that grounding. Lever yeah. yeah. Leverage is a good, is a good word or just support. I mean, yeah. but yeah. we've all been kids. Mm-hmm. We've all gone through tough stuff mm -hmm. and we've all gone through good stuff. And yeah, so it's life. And that's what makes it so beautiful. It's mm -hmm. that it's, it's so diverse. So please let your children go through life. Don't do not try to save them for a living because it's, it's part of the whole experience. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Very much agree. Thank you. But, um, I know it's hard. It's yeah. really hard as a yeah. parent to be able to to let go and say, "Oh my God, he's gonna. He doesn't. He doesn't realize how dangerous this is." But hey, trust him. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard, yeah. but it's worth it. Yeah. I do believe it's worth it. Yeah, but it's hard. You have to let them step out and take some risks. Yeah. Or, you know, do you, I always am like, well, do you want an adult who has never taken a risk or do you want the child to take a risk where you're there to, to help them out? You know, that's a really good argument. That's just my, that's just my opinion. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I am, I am a big fan of letting kids not like take unreasonable risks, but stretch, stretch, right? That um, we, we don't want them to be, be stressed past capacity, but we also do want to just encourage them to stretch their boundaries just a little bit at a time, you know, so that they feel confident and can handle the world. Cause they can, they can handle the world. <laughs> they just need the right resources. Exactly. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. Man. That's a great thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to like turn us a little bit um, because I want to make sure we have time to talk about um, your, your business and what you do. Um, you are, well, you should tell me you are in technology for neurodivergent yeah. folks and families. Yeah. Um, would you mind sharing a little bit about kind of your journey and, and what prompted you to get into this place as an entrepreneur? Well, I've, I've mentioned at the beginning of our discussion mm -hmm. how ADHD is helping me with my entrepreneurial journey. Um, not having a routine, uh, being able to do all kind of tasks and mm -hmm. all kind of meeting all kind of people that sure uh, is a good fit for me I I got in well it wasn't I wasn't always an entrepreneur because mm -hmm. uh, as the at a certain level in my life I was a single mom mm -hmm. and I needed to focus on my children and with art and the assessments and the, the appointments all oh, the yes. appointments that we had yeah so entrepreneurship was not in the on the on the planning uh back then but um at a certain point in my life I William was was really interested in um Mario Bros mm -hmm. and um I, I I've always liked video games um from like I've had I was playing the NES the first Nintendo console when I was in elementary school mm -hmm. and I, I I just always thought it was a great communication tool. Yeah. Which is different from what's happening today with the video gaming industry. But I've always I've always had such much so much fun playing video games with my family, with my friends. So 
I decided to go in the video gaming industry and understand what was all, what was all, what was it about video gaming that was so fun? Yeah. Because it is fun. I'm not talking about Call of Duty or that type of games, but Mario Bros, Mario Party, Raymond's, uh, I mean, all these like really are fun Minecraft, uh, just super Minecrafters. <laughs> Minecrafter, Minecraft Minecraft and, and Fall Guys are their current favorites. They're really cute my, fun. Yeah. Yeah. My, <laughs> my son is back into Minecraft at 19 year old. So it's an it's it's a really interesting video old. game. No, no, <laughs> exactly. Um, but I was really interested in understanding why it was so much fun. So I decided to go in the video gaming industry, met a lot of people, and then that's when William got hospitalized and mm -hmm. had his um, ASD diagnosis. And mm -hmm. so I started, I wanted to know, I wanted to learn, I want to be, I wanted to be, I wanted to be a, um, able to help him. Mm -hmm. I, I, I've always been a solution oriented, solution oriented person. Yeah. So, okay. What can we do now? Like, okay, he's, you know, he, here's the, here are the diagnoses. Okay, okay, okay. What can I do? Like, mm -hmm. like the ADHD side of me said, like, what can I do? How can I be helpful? Mm -hmm. So I've talked to researchers and I, I, I started reading mm -hmm. uh, I, and I wanted to understand. I started meeting with families. And so it started as a personal project. And I realized that I was becoming, I'll say, um, police officer at home. Yeah. And as I've told you before, I've had kids because I wanted to be able to stay a kid or, you know, have fun. So yeah. I was, I was not having fun in my parental journey mm -hmm. and I completely saw that my son was not having fun in his childhood yeah so it i mean the the the, the trigger with william because he was the inspiration be, like for this whole journey at one point i i just tapped on his shoulder and i said william and i i saw his shoulder go down mm -hmm. he was expecting me to say something bad yeah. And I was about to tell him that I was proud of him. Mm -hmm. Sorry. But okay. then that's exactly the trigger that I realized I need to tell him how much of a champion he is. Mm -hmm. Because he keep everybody keeps saying, you're not doing that. You're not doing that. You should do this like that. You forgot that. Mm -hmm. And I, 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 I saw myself as a kid and I, I remembered how that didn't help and how positive reinforcement was fuel for me. Mm -hmm. So I decided to sit down with him and tell him how I felt mm -hmm. and listen to how he felt. So I told him exactly what I'm telling you right now. I do not have fun. I do not, I do not want that to continue that way. Mm -hmm. How do you feel? And he said, well, you're like a back vocal. <laughs> I was like, okay. Very, very straightforward. Good information oh, to have. Very straightforward. I was like, okay. He said, <laughs> well, you keep repeating stuff and I basically don't hear you. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, I don't want to, that's not the role I want mm -hmm. in your life. So so he asked me at the very beginning, asked me, okay, we, I have a solution, mom, please allow video games whenever I want, and that will solve every problem. Mm -hmm. So I said, no, <laughs> nice try. No, um, but that's how, how it started. So I started, I said, okay, you've got a point. You want to be able to have fun during critical and boring time mm -hmm. I agree with that I want to have fun too because obviously everyone's going to be winning that situation so we started as the Mario Bros idea because he wanted to play video games and I said well okay we're going to create a Mario Bros in which 
parents and children are going to have interventions and help mm -hmm. in order to be able to learn about themselves. So we've developed Care Us, uh, which is an app that provides parental guidance, pulling triggers at parents saying, hey, you need to tell your kid right now that he's a champion. Mm -hmm. Or do you realize that he's he's done that type of things thing today and it's his first time mm -hmm. please celebrate that's that's the type of of cues we wanted to bring mm -hmm. and for the children we use avatars in order to motivate them to do boring stuff so yes like brushing their teeth or uh cleaning their uh, <clears throat> cleaning their their cleaning their um, room mm -hmm. but we did bring avatars on both hands children and parents because mm -hmm. we both need to work on certain aspects of our role whether mm -hmm. it's children role in the family or parenting role so yeah and that that's been like a great journey we we did develop the application with healthcare professionals and psychoeducators in order to be able to help uh, kids with ADHD, but kids with ASD as well. Mm -hmm. So we've, I've created Neurosolutions Group five uh, years ago. Uh, so we've just celebrated our five years time mark. Uh, Congratulations. That's a big landmark. We were really happy about that. The five years hit. It's like, I don't know, we've hit, like we've, we've, it was just a statistic. Uh, challenge yeah. but we we, we won yeah <laughs> we won that that's five a big years, deal but, yeah, yeah yeah so William my son like and even my daughter they've been involved in the, the progress of the not only the product but the company mm -hmm. uh they they've supported the families during clinical studies um they've done testing of the app QA of the app, uh, they, of course, they had an impact in the development of the game, uh, the avatars. So it's been, it's been a really nice journey, um, helping a lot of families, uh, getting to speak with a lot of families. And that's my favorite part, what I'm doing right now to, when I, I, I sit down and I realize how, uh, how far we've, we've, then as a family, it's it's simply amazing to, and I don't do that as often as I should, but being able to realize I've done a great job as a mom. I have great kids. Mm -hmm. They have like, I mean, I'm really proud of what they've become. But yeah, I so this this is my favorite moment. But I get to remember and I get to sit and like remind like rewind a little and say, hey. It's been tough. It's been really, really tough. But I wouldn't change a thing in the world. Yeah. I love so much about that story, Annie. Thank you for sharing it. I love that you saw that what wasn't it wasn't working for you. And you went in and you said, okay, what can we radically change so that we can both have fun? And I also love the like getting your kids involved in your so you have a project together. So you're all building something together. I mean, talk about skill building, but also that collaborative communication building like we were talking about in a different context before. Like you did all that in this in this project. That's amazing. It's it's been so I mean, the first clinical study we did, it was with 10 families. Mm -hmm. And we were we decided that to kind of do it like a role playing game. Mm -hmm. So we dressed up like agents, super agent, and we decided <laughs> to, we told a story to the kids that were part of the our clinical study that they were, they had been um, recruited at special agents mm -hmm. and they had a special mission. And we still do focus groups with kids. It's amazing the impact we can have just by asking someone, what right. do you think? Mm -hmm. what, what do you think about this? I want you, your opinion. I need your opinion. You, you're going to help me. Mm -hmm. And having someone like children, having that kind of like pride, it's amazing. That's, that's worth a lot. 
because they do want to participate and they do want us to ask them, how are you? Oh, yes. I, what, you what you think matters to me. I want to do something for you, mm -hmm. but help me achieve that goal. Yeah. That's yeah. And that's that always works. Always. Yeah. yeah. I think kids, I was thinking about early, what much earlier you were talking about that teacher that you had when you were young who gave you jobs, right? And yep. I think kids always want to support. They always want to collaborate with you. They just need a way to do it. They need an in, you know, and you need to be very welcoming of that. And 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 then it works, right? If you're welcoming and they're, they know how to support, like it's it's beautiful what can happen and how much confidence they can get from that. Absolutely. <laughs> it's, uh, and it can be, I mean, we're all parents and we all have our issues and stress mm -hmm. and, And it, it's, it can be hard sometimes to just not to be welcoming yeah. to, for the help because they want to help, but maybe it won't go, it won't go as fast as you want it to go, mm. or they won't get dressed as far as fast as you want them to, but still it's, 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 it's worth it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That's so great. It's, it's the same, my, my, my parental journey has a lot to do with my entrepreneurial journey. Mm -hmm. I mean, the we do collaborate with families. I never wanted to to develop a, 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 like an app in my basement saying, "Hey, I know what to do." I never <laughs> I I, ne I never worked that way. I, I've always wanted to collaborate with families, children, psychiatrists, doctors. Doctors are not more important than children mm -hmm. actually doctors right now that's another topic but they're <laughs> assessing and they're managing treatment plans mm -hmm. without even knowing what's happening at home or how the kid is feeling they have yeah. 15 minutes every six months to go mm, how are you yeah that's it there here's their prescription yeah Yeah, that's that that's hard to see. But anyways, that's another subject. No, I don't <laughs> think you're wrong. I And I, I think that but the the point I think you're making, right, is that they might be a piece of the whole. Uh, they have to puzzle, but they're definitely not maybe the the people with the most information or the most authority about what individuals on the ground need and families on the ground need. Yeah, you don't know that information. Mm -hmm. All they have, as I've mentioned, is that 15 minutes. So if if we want to collaborate we all need to share the information and we all need to question the person, mm -hmm. whether it's the parent, the child, et cetera. So, yeah. Yeah. So with, with Kairos and with the, the games that you've made, are there specific, you talked about the positive reinforcement piece and the getting kids and parents on board in the same way kind of piece. Are there specific habits that you're trying to help families build together or how is it, Tell me more about it. <laughs> How is it targeted? Well, actually, it's the, the first thing. The app's got to has to be downloaded from each one of the stores. Mm -hmm. The parent creates an account. He configures a, a specific routine to okay. uh, that that is reflecting his needs as a parent and mm -hmm. as a kid's parent. He can do it with the child, which is even better. But then he chooses what he wants to address. Whenever there's There's um and we, we can find these tasks or these actions during specific period of time. Okay. So let's say for a moon a morning routine, and then whenever that routine uh, comes along, then the, the child gets notified and he can get um, interaction with the the, the his avatar mm -hmm. to realize the actions uh, that are needed, and that actually that's the only way to gain a progression in the video game so mm -hmm. it it's related to superpowers in the video game so the the kind of team up the avatar and the child team up in order to be able to realize missions in the real life yeah. and missions in the video game so if they don't do one or we don't we do not encourage <laughs> that's that's one thing that's important we we the algorithms um Uh, request 75% of mm -hmm. uh, of um, success because we do not want to encourage perfection but effort the progress um, yeah mm -hmm. yeah the progress so so yeah so that's kind of uh, and then whenever 
uh, that's accomplished, he will get the superpower needed for his avatar to get access, like a super glue to climb on walls or double jump or uh, super strength, or etc. Yeah. So, yeah, that's how uh, that's how it works. And kids get to uh, personalize or customize their avatars, their mm-hmm. HQ to create that kind of comfort zone uh, that either looks like them or not at all and they can opt to have like a dinosaur Mm -hmm. as an avatar or a girl or a boy or Mm -hmm. a unicorn Mm -hmm. Uh, so they decided to what they want to do with that avatar so that's awesome and what age range is it most sort of targeted for it's mainly for six to twelve um Mm -hmm. years of age it depends on it does depend on the video game interest of the child because if if a child is playing Call of Duty, he won't have any interest in Keras. So it's mostly like the the most impact we do have is on kids between six and nine. That's mm-hmm. our target range. But we've we've used it in, in our clinical studies. We've used it up to uh, children with twelve years of age. Mm-hmm. So it depends. Like anything, it's it's one of the tools that are out there available. It's not a one size fits all. Yeah. So, but it but it does it can work be a good and, fit. Yeah, yeah exactly that's really helpful thank you and if um the one other question I had was I I talked to I talked to lots of parents about screen use um our family's pretty uh chill about screens oh. like I, we kind of think they're we're homeschoolers and I I think oh. that technology is a part of this is my personal opinion um that technology is a part of our you know existence day to day and it's important for kids to kind of learn how to engage with it in a way that's Mm -hmm. reasonable for them and that's different for each kid but I do talk to a lot of um, especially parents of autistic youth I would say more Mm -hmm. than ADHD but I'm sure it happens in ADHD families too who are concerned that their kids are like stuck on the screen or having trouble motivating to do things other than screen or that kind of thing Um, and I wonder if as somebody who's worked in this space for a long time with your kids being a little older do you have any kind of feedback on um how to either modulate that or or get over that feeling of concern around (laughs) in in keras we do have in our parental guide Mm -hmm. we do have a section uh, regarding screen management uh solutions and techniques and tricks but um i i have the same um my position is the same as yours Uh, i mean it's it's in our lives and we need to to be we as parents or as mm-hmm. person, we need to be able to manage that tool in our lives. And yes, we do have, and kids, they, it, it, I don't think it's going anywhere, technology. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's, it's there for a year or two. So we better teach them how to ma- be able to manage it. We did include a few um, um, a few uh, factors, triggers in Keras that will uh, teach and help the kid to realize that hey, this is for a ten-minute period. Mm-hmm. We'll see. We've used um, time management. So basically, yeah. the theme that we use is that we use um, a time machine that needs to recharge itself mm-hmm. every day. So kids can't play more than once a day. Mm-hmm. They need to the, the time machine to recharge before. So the interactions with the avatar help the kid understand that from the very beginning mm-hmm. of the onboarding so that was really important for us um but yeah um, my i've always said that we need to pray by the example yeah um we do not have phones uh at the table we do mm-hmm. not bring our cell phones in our bedroom uh we do not I mean, as parents, we do have a responsibility to teach our kids um, how to use technology. Um, But um, yeah, so we we did want to integrate a few mechanics in Keras, but as that's one thing, I'm not going to try a parent that doesn't allow technology in their house. I'm not going to try to convince them that Keras is going to work because obviously it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. So that's not when I was talking about choosing your battles, that's not a battle I choose to. No, 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 no. Oh yeah. Well, and if the parent's stressed out about it, 
then it doesn't matter how good the game is. It's not going to support the family, right? But if a parent is sort of like open to it, but concerned about screen use, it also sounds like there's a, there's built-in kind of limits where this game is supporting, but it's not like getting kids stuck. (laughs) No, it's it's about one, it's one level per day that Mm -hmm. the kids can play. And it's about a 10 minute session in which he gets to interact and customize his avatar, Mm -hmm. but it's one level per day. There's no way he can redo the same level. Mm -hmm. There's no way he can do another level. These are really strict mechanics that we've included in Keros because we didn't want to create another drama for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you so much. Can you tell the audience who might be interested a little bit more about where to find out more about Keros and you and your company and, and all? Absolutely. So our website for Keros is Keros, www.kerosgame.com. So it's as the Greek god, K-A-I-R-O-S, uh, game.com. And you'll you'll find all the information about Neurosolutions Group as well, the company behind the app. And uh, yeah, so if you have any comments or any concerns about the clinical studies we've realized or be I'll be more than happy to answer your concerns and you can reach out to us by using the the emails on the website thank you so much Annie and and folks all those links will be down in the show notes so please check them out they'll be on the website and also on your app wherever you're listening to this in the show notes there oh Annie um do you have anything else you'd like to kind of leave us off with today well, um, it was. I had a great time, as I've mentioned. It's it's been a pleasure talking to you. It's always a pleasure sharing to all the families there. If you do want to, if you're listening uh, to Danielle's podcast um, and you want to try Keros, feel free to reach out to us. We will give you a promo code so that you can use it for three months for free, um, and be make sure that it's a fit for your family and that it, it can help you like it did for our family as well. Thank you so much, Annie. And you'll also be, you know, supporting a a small company that's women owned and run and neurodivergent owned and run, which, you know, is, is, uh, is important. So beautiful. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much. Thanks to you. Thank you so much for being with me on the Neurodiverging Podcast today. I really enjoyed this conversation with Annie, and I hope you did too. If you are interested in learning more about Kairos and her other products out of Neurosolutions Group, please check out the links below. We will have all the information there. Please also check out neurodiverging.com for the transcript and lots of other information um, about how to learn more about all of our guests. And I hope you'll come back for the next episode. Please remember, we are all in this together.